You're listening to Torazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains that the book of Leviticus begins with what is being offered in order to belittle the priests, in contrast with our attitude and that of all religions, which begin with the functionary, the human being, as their reference. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And then you have here one more time a differentiation between earlier the lamb and the goat, now between the goat and the lamb, which shows you hearing wise, you can't make a big deal that the lamb is more important than the goat and the over. No. Here he begins with the goat in verse 28 and moves to the lamb in verse 32. And I know you're frustrated because you're expecting that I do for you what I did in the previous presentations, reading everything with you. Now you have to read it for yourself. Okay. In Leviticus chapter 7, we have what could be termed as special cases. Here, if anyone, and you have nephesh, the Greek has psyche, interestingly. But then you remember that psyche can be rendered with pnoi in the Psalms, which is neshama, breeze. So you see the interconnection, and I discussed this in earlier podcasts. It has to do with the moving air that gives life. Simple air does not give life, as people imagine. You need to inhale and exhale. And that's what the pulmonologist tells you to do. Okay? Inhale, exhale. But again, we spoke enough after that. If anyone which is the general human being, and then verse 5, one more time, we counter the word asham, ye'esham, which is is guilty. He shall bring his guilt offering. Now we have a different word than the sin offering. The sin offering is sin in Hebrew. The guilt offering is guilt in Hebrew. So the same noun is given to the action and to its sacrifice. And the connection again is repeated here bring his guilt offering to the Lord for the sin, which is hatat, which he had sinned. 
Okay, then you have a female from the flock. And interestingly, we have here the word that is encountered early on in Genesis together with the male and female. Nuqiba, the female kind. And I took my time earlier when I did Genesis to show you that it's the fancifulness of Greco-Roman Christian theology and also Jewish that likes to differentiate between the human being and the animal. In the Bible, they are both of the same ilk. They were produced on the sixth day and they eat at least at the beginning grass. That's how they survive. And that's why you don't need to go beyond Genesis chapter 1. If you have my ears and my eyes, obviously. But since you don't, your punishment is to go through the entire Bible. Well, now myself, I go only through Genesis 1 because I spend my life with the entire Bible. Okay, then we have the guilt offering for the commoner and you read about it. So, just get used to this terminology that you have a sin and sin offering and you have a guilt and a guilt offering. Okay, that's what we have. In chapter 6, we have the dealing with the priesthood and sacrifices. Notice how interestingly the book of Leviticus begins with what is being offered because that is the reference. And I believe this is intended in order to belittle the priests. Notice how in our approach we begin with the functionary, the human being, You start with the CEO and then you start explaining what is executive power. No. This is the Greco-Roman approach centered on the human being that is conceived as the center of all galaxies. So I suggest to you to be belittled to listen to this uh, nice, interesting program about the UFOs and the aliens uh, on History Channel. Okay? Stop imagining that you are the Alpha and the Omega and the in-between. No. And I like here modern science. You know, I'm... Uh, I was a science man early on, you know. Now, you have machines and labs not only to diagnose what is going on with you and your blood, but also to perform surgery. So actually, the 21st century backs me, not you. 
that is called microsurgery. And then you know as well as I do, then slowly on, the surgeons, obviously they perform, but technically they are not doing. They control a machine to do the job. Now, I can have a retreat with you and I allow you Q&A to discuss whether ultimately it's the surgeon that did the surgery or the machine. And I bet you we would have a very nice discussion and I'm willing to invite also doctors and nurses to the meeting. Who or what performed the surgery and you have this, my friends, on your iPhones. I learned this lately when I was at the airports and the airplanes. I would be punching my iPhone, you know, to send. And I would hear people around me saying, Siri, what's the temperature? Siri, can you send this message? Are you kidding me? There you go. And it took me time. To understand, as of late, Father Timothy Lowe, who always refers to Alexa. Actually, he learned this from his granddaughter, who comes to his house, and suddenly she starts dealing with Alexa. Okay, friends. So the book of Leviticus was way ahead of its time. He knew that the trouble is Ha'adam. And it decided to belittle Adam. We need the result. Okay? And that's why he began his Bible with Genesis 1. That God did everything before the human being appeared. He's not needed. God can do it without him, and that is to set up the stage for Isaiah where both sacrifices, notice not only priesthood, but sacrifices are irrelevant, and the building itself is irrelevant, which, by the way, were ordained by God himself, and that is the technical knockout. Okay, let's go quickly, because here we have how the priests are going to deal with the sacrifices. From 8 to 13, we have the Holocaust. From 14 to 23, we have the cereal offering, and we talked about that. And then we have the sin offering, we talked about that. It's interesting here. This is the law of the sin offering. Now notice, in Greek, it eliminates the word offering, which is added in English. It is just the law of the sin. But the hearer understand that we are talking about the offering for the sin. Very important. Okay, and with this, I jump to this text in the New Testament, hopefully 
it will bring a solution to a dilemma in the minds of most of you. Oh, the theologians have no trouble because usually they say whatever they want about Jesus Christ. They don't consult scripture. But let's hear this text. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. I have both texts, but I'm going to the English. I revert to Greek only when I get to that specific point. For if we are beside ourselves, I repeat 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So remember, you are still living. Forget about the Orthodox gurus. You are still living. So if you link this text with Romans 6, you realize that you have to change. You don't have to die. If you die, you're done. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view even though we once regarded Christ from a human point of view, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You have it already in Galatians. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, which proves to you that you have not died. So make sure when the priest preaches and then you stand in line to communion, realize that you have not died. If you had died, you can't take communion. And this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking as an apostle. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Please remember the us here is the apostles, not me, you, and her. So we are ambassadors for Christ. And please remember, that we is not all of us Orthodox Christians. We, the apostles, are ambassadors. You are no ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Can you imagine? A teenager Orthodox feeling that God is making his appeal through him or her. Are you kidding me? In my time, the teenagers used to have pants with buttons. 
and it took time and strategy to butter it. And then afterwards the Tidins complained and then they were handed zippers. Come on! We beseech you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. We is the apostles. And let's hear the last verse. But I needed to read everything before. For our sake he made him to be sin. Which is very silly. When I hear theologians, especially Orthodox, trying to explain that. Who knew no sin. To understand this, you have to apply what we said in other words, the one who didn't know Amartian, he made him Amartia as a sacrifice for those who have sinned. Now the text can be understood correctly. In Greek, you begin the one who knew no sin, he made him in sin, but let's read the English. The first he made him to be sin is, is the sin for sacrifice. Who knew no sin and the second sin in English is the action. So here is perhaps the most forceful or one of the most forceful examples in the New Testament whereby if you don't know the Old Testament and preferably in Hebrew, you won't understand what the apostle is saying. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, the we here are one more time the apostles, or to make it short, the apostle, which is Paul. It's a superlative text. And this comes in chapter 5, after we have heard in chapter 4, where Paul says, as for us, the apostles, he made, he made us asked among the human beings. In other words, the apostle is like Christ, as we hear in Galatians in chapter 6. That he has no value in himself but in his God, the way Christ in Philippians, and in spite and against Orthodox theology, Christ is nothing. It is God that raises him into glory. That's why ultimately glory is to God and him alone and not to the Trinity. There is no trinity. And I shall end with this fancy joke of mine so that you won't be able to sleep at peace. Oh, the three. You see how the Orthodox is. Are always in agreement. Agreement with whom? With themselves. What do you mean with themselves? 
the Son and the Spirit have to be in agreement with God and thus obeying Him, which means there is one voice. And my joke is that imagine if they are equal the way we hear it in our theology, then each one has an equal vote. Now let's suppose that the Son and the Spirit decide together to outvote the Father. What is going to happen? And then, a student of mine reminded me that this joke preceded me, Father Paul. And he told me a story in the tradition of the Jews that rabbis at one point used to argue, you know, about what this means and what that means and so on. And one of them would be most of the time disagreeing with the other five. There were six in the story. And then he was frustrated. He knew that he was right. So he prayed the Almighty and said to him, tell me, am I right or not? And the voice came from heaven and told him, absolutely you are right they are wrong so he shared with them this story and their answer was it's still five against two there you go I can see the smile on your faces so so long and farewell until the upcoming podcast Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.